limited scope of reality, here's what we get. The isolated leading the desperate. For instance, parenting books typically ignore the motivation for engaging in parenting. The implied motivation is that parents should raise their child simply because the child exists and the parents are responsible for that reality. There is rarely any recognition of the fact that the child is a special gift and that raising children is a responsibility assigned to parents by God. As such, parenting bears an innate importance and an irrefutable connection to parenting principles furnished by God. Another example. Few books seem aware that God has designed every human being as a unique individual, eliminating the possibility of effective one-size-fits-all parenting strategies. While it is a natural temptation to want a standardized checklist of actions that produces predictably favorable results, the individuality of each person suggests that such a simple tool is not likely to be effective. Another distinctive of many parenting books is that they offer advice without much relationship to the real-world results their advice generates. Many of the books I've examined recommend strategies that may be innovative but are disconnected from any evidence that their approach produces desirable development in a young person. Perhaps authors don't produce evidence because it's not demanded of them. Parents, faced with three dominant models described below, competing for their acceptance, just are too busy to bother. Each of these alternatives has its own appeal and weaknesses. Competing Models one unavoidable influence on parenting behavior is that of societal norms, traditions, and expectations. Because we live within the context of these forces, they have a powerful impact on what we perceive effective parenting to be. Many of these cultural factors are low-profile or practically invisible. We practice them simply because we see or experience these elements so frequently in the media or in our daily excursions. Adopting the parenting habits and patterns driven by cultural forces might be described as parenting by default. The second set of influences that shapes our parenting choices and behaviors is that derived from personal experience and outcomes. Doing what comes naturally or what we've learned from past endeavors, we raise children in relation to the insights gleaned in the trenches. This trial and error process might be considered experimental parenting. The third approach available to parents, which creates the greatest emotional tension in the parenting marketplace of ideas and practices, comes from the application of biblical commands, principles, and narratives. In this parenting model, God's Word provides the perspective and the marching orders on how to raise a young person. The goal of such child-rearing is to raise children who make their faith in God and relationship with Him their highest priority in life and proceed to live as intentional and devoted servants of God. The role of parents is to guide the child to understand the principles and outcomes that honor God and advance His purposes. Success in this venture is measured by transformed lives. I have labeled this one revolutionary parenting. I bet you can guess which of the three I am promoting. Our research conducted for this book indicates that few parents are purists, that is, few parents draw only from the well of standards and practices associated with just one of those three platforms. Most American parents concoct their own unique mixture of parenting ideas and routines, based on a rather general idea of what they are seeking to achieve. The research suggests that most parents talk a better parenting game than they play, largely because they have such vague notions about the process and product. 
yet the research also reveals that it is possible to perform one's parenting functions at a very high level of personal competence and productivity if a particular set of parameters are in place. We'll get to those. So, to get back to our earlier question, do we need another parenting book? I believe the answer is yes. Toward Spiritual Champions A good researcher identifies the assumptions and hypotheses underlying his study because those elements invariably shape the nature and outcomes of the research. Here's how I studied the practices of those who have successfully raised spiritual champions. In 2003, I wrote Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions, almost by mistake. It was an attempt to discover what Christian churches were doing that was effective in helping children become serious followers of Jesus Christ. It became a surprise bestseller and has apparently helped tens of thousands of churches to understand that people's lives are shaped.